Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the San Basel Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Right now, I'm going to be talking about a whole bunch of incredible topics that have happened over the weekend. I'm going to be talking about new details regarding Terminator Dark Fate that came out from Fandango. I'm also going to be talking about the comments Martin Scorsese made about Marvel films. I'm also going to be talking about some... Netflix things that are going on in Broadway may be happening around the corner, but of course, every single Monday as I start off, I have to talk about the weekend box office and what a weekend it was, not just for Warner Brothers, but in specifically for Joker, the movie directed by Joaquin, excuse me, not directed by Joaquin Phoenix, it starred Joaquin Phoenix and was directed by Todd Phillips. Joker scored $96 million dollars at the box office, people talking about this movie, controversy behind it, is it going to make a lot of money, is it going to do really well, what's going to happen with this movie, are people actually going to go see it, and it seems like a bunch of people around the world went to go see this movie, as not only did it make $96 million domestically, it also made $140.5 million internationally with a worldwide gross of $234 million worldwide. And going back to the domestic numbers real quick, the initial numbers came out that on, on Sunday morning that Joker made $93 million. But now there is talk, it's come out now, that the estimates were off by around $3 million and Joker made $96 million at the box office domestically and that broke a slew of records for the month of October specifically the big one that it broke was that it is now the highest grossing opening weekend box office intake in the month of October which was topped last year by Venom with Tom Hardy directed by Ruben Fletcher came out last year Joker has topped that as well it is also the fourth largest opening for an R-rated film Ever. And what's also incredibly significant is that it passed the opening weekend totals of both Justice League, Aquaman, and It Chapter 2, with Justice League coming in with $93 million this opening weekend, Aquaman had $61 million, and It Chapter 2 had $91 million. So for Warner Brothers, this is a huge win for them. Huge win, as this solidifies, I think, hopefully for them, that they can keep going in this direction and that these very obscure different takes on whether it be spin-off superheroes or supervillains people if if it looks exciting and it sparks a lot of talk like the joker is doing whether that be positive or negative people still want to go see this movie and i think for the joker which this is incredibly ironic for the superhero villain that is told in the same vein as Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, Martin Scorsese vibes, outgrossed the Avengers film that of the DC Universe with Batman, Superman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman. It outgrows that opening weekend and then outgrows the opening of The Other Clown, which was Pennywise that came out this year. And, and literally just a year, like a month ago, it came out in Chapter 2, and that Joker eclipsed that opening. It's absolutely incredible, and I think for Warner Brothers, this is an incredible accomplishment for them, especially considering how they kicked off the year and went through the, the summer movie season with things happening with Lego Movie, the second part, with Godzilla, King of the Monsters, with 
so many others like Blinded by the Light, The Kitchen didn't do really well. It's had a lot of bumps along the road. And for them to really have a one-two punch in two straight months with It Chapter 2 and now Joker is a huge accomplishment. And the fact that Joker only cost around $55 million before marketing really kicked in, in, into effect is absolutely incredible. This movie seems to be well on its way to making around $200, $300 million worldwide at the box office, maybe even a little bit more. I think what's going to be interesting, and it happens with every film that breaks big its opening weekend, is how the second weekend, third weekend are going to do in terms of the drop-off. Is it going to drop off huge, or is it going to drop off steadily each and every weekend? Is the talk going to be front-loaded, or is this conversation talk going to gear people to the actual... Is it actually going to gear people toward toward seeing this movie again, maybe? I had to think about it real quick. Toward seeing this movie again or seeing the movie a first time or maybe people that were on the fence, 50-50, maybe go see this movie. What's going to happen with all this talk that's going on now that the movie's actually in theaters? I think is really interesting. And it goes to the fact that I think this is a big importance that even with everything that, with all the controversy and, and with the heightened security around movie theaters, people still want to go see this movie. And that you can't, that well, even with all the hysteria, people still want to go see this movie no matter what. And I think that's really telling that press press is not good nor bad. It's press and it gets talk going. It's conversation going. Whether it's controversial or not, people want to see controversy. They want to see things that make people talk, that make people think. And I think that's exactly what Joker does. And I think it's absolutely incredible for this movie especially. And so I'm really happy that Joker is able to actually do really well like this and hopefully continue to do really well. So congratulations to the cast and crew of Joker, Todd Phillips, Joaquin Phoenix, De Niro, Zazie, and congratulations to Warner Brothers for having an incredible fall movie season after having a pretty much an abysmal start to the year of 2019 and a really not a not so good summer movie season. But they can really say they they like like the like the New England Patriots do it and to put it into sports terms, they kicked it into gear in the second half and they came out clutch with two straight huge performances. While one was critically more received than maybe another one, they're, st- they're both big hits that audiences went to go see, and the box office is proving that. So congratulations once again to the cast and crew and Warner Brothers for Joker. Coming in at number two was last weekend's champion, Abominable, grossing another $12 million, $76 million worldwide, 37 points domestically. It is behind Smallfoot, which is the other Bigfoot movie that came out last year around this time. That one grossed $83 million. So it's still, it's going to hit around there, but for DreamWorks, they're not hitting How to Train Your Dragon numbers, but it's the only family film out there, and not a lot of families are going out in droves. I think with with the Adams family coming out this weekend, it's going to take another big hit for not being the really the the big family film, especially animated film out there. So, Abominable might be taking a little bit of a dive come this upcoming weekend. And then coming in at number three is Down Abbey with another eight million dollars, hundred thirty five million worldwide. It's shy of hitting seventy four million dollars domestically, and this is a great story. I think for. A film that I don't think a lot of people thought was going to hit as big as it did. It's a huge win for Focus Features. It was their highest opening weekend of all time. 
And I think it just shows that if you, if, if you put something out there that people want to see, especially something that is beloved, I think you will get people to actually go see it. And the fans will come out in droves, and, and it got great critical reception. And so there could be a sequel to this movie. Maybe, who knows? With the box office, I would be shocked if Focus Feature didn't at least try to put something together along with Universal. So congratulations to Down Abbey. Hustlers comes in at number four with $6.3 million. A lot of records bro- broken for this movie. It happened last week, too, that Hustlers crossed over $100 million worldwide. It is the highest-grossing film of Jennifer Lopez's career that is garnering her a lot of critical acclaim, some Oscar talk for her for her role in Hustlers. It is one of the highest-grossing films in STX's history, and it's a short-term history, as it only really happened in, in this, the latter half of this decade, really, came to fruition STX. It also has the 11th best total in September right now. So Hustlers is one of the breakout stories of the fall movie season and of 2019. So congratulations to STX as they keep going with Hustlers. And hopefully now that Hustlers is a big hit for them, we can see a lot more of their films that they have on the slate specifically. And I know for myself and I think for others as well, that we've seen a lot of previews for 21 Bridges with Chadwick Boseman. I think that's going to be the hopefully the next hit when it comes out in November. And coming out at number five, speaking of, of, of clowns, Pennywise, the dancing clown, it chapter two grossed another $5.3 million. It is only the third R-rated film to gross over $200 million, $436 million worldwide. And it, this is a incredible feat for it chapter two. Again, not the same numbers that the first it in 2017 was making, but it is still making a lot of money for being a sequel to the film that maybe not a lot of people were looking forward to maybe or didn't hear a lot about even though it was a big event film of the year really but still it made a lot of money and I think for Warner Brothers between this and Joker they're doing very happy right now and then rounding out the bottom half of the top five go through it real quick at Ash another four and a half million dollars not a great look for 20th Century Fox especially all the box office troubles they've been having since being acquisitioned by Disney and Disney Studios and that Disney is maybe looking to short up some of the 20th Century Fox's films now that they're not doing so well. And Ad Asher just adds fuel to the fire for the points they want to make for doing that specifically. Even though I enjoyed the film, it's still really sad to see that not a lot of people are responding the same way at the box office. Another great story, though, coming in at number 7 is Judy, grossing $4.4 million. It stayed in the top 10 at the box office last week when it only hit... Triple, triple digits in terms of the theaters and now expanded to well over a thousand theaters and is now at number seven at the box office. The film that is making Renee Ziegler a household name for this Academy Award season with her role in, as Judy Garland. So Judy comes in at $4.4 million. I'm seeing that in a tonight, so I'm going to make sure to have a review of you guys in the next few days for that film. I'm also seeing Rambo. Oh, I already saw Rambo Last Bullet, but coming in at number eight is Rambo Last Blood grossing $3.5 million. Again, not... It, it, it doesn't have the same feed as Ad Asher does, which was a bigger budget, but it's still not a great look for what potentially could be the last Rambo film of the franchise, only grossing $3.5 million. And then coming in at number 9 is War, grossing $1.8 million. And what's incredible about that is that it only opened in 305 theaters this weekend, and it grossed $1.8 million. That is incredible for really a foreign film that I didn't really hear much about until it did really well at the box office so great job for the cast and crew of war and then coming out at number 10 is good boys hanging in there by grossing nine hundred thousand dollars 
at the box office. Really, the only film that's left from the summer movie season is Good Boys hanging in there at number 10 at the box office. But guys, that's it for this edition of the Weekend Box Office Recap. What do you guys think of this week's box office? Are you excited for all the records that Joker broke this past weekend for its opening? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now going on to some some things that were said by Martin Scorsese about the, the Marvel, Marvel, Marvel Studios and superhero films. And he said in a quote on Friday that... Scorsese compared the Marvel movies to theme parks, that he they're not really real movies, and that he credits the actors for really doing a great job for what they're given, and that's really all he really gave it, and there's been a lot, of, not a lot of talk, but this isn't really anything new, this is just a director giving his take on what he thinks of these, of these movies, of these actual films, of uh, uh, and, and for a guy of his caliber... I can understand them. It's a point of view. Everybody has a point of view. Everyone has their own opinion on what they think of those movies. I understand. I feel bad because people like James Gunn have come out and said that he, that Mark Scorsese, he came out and tweeted saying that Scorsese is one of my five favorite living filmmakers. I was outraged when people picketed The Last Temptation of Christ without seeing the movie. I'm sad that he's now judging my films in the same way. So I think if if you've made the movies, it hurts a little bit, especially if you've looked up to somebody like Scorsese. If you're a filmmaker and You've seen all the accomplishment that Scorsese has done in his life. You would feel sad about that, but I think for I I I for one am a huge fan of the superhero genre of superhero movies, especially the MCU. And I am I a little outraged. I don't know if I'm outraged, but am I a little saddened by them? I guess. But I'm sure if Scorsese had an idea and he wanted to work in the superhero genre. Ken Feige would say, what do you want to do and how do you want to do it and give him all the control and, and everything he needed to do. But I just think for, I think Scorsese, he sees what he makes and he sees what those films are and it just doesn't line up for what his ideas for a movie are and, and for what he considers filmmaking to be. And I can respect that opinion. I mind, Do I agree with it? No. But I can respect the opinion and I understand it. And 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 But I, I it's something where James Cameron has come out and said that he doesn't think Marvel movies are really movies in a way, but he's kind of retracted that statement in a little bit. And maybe Scorsese does, and he retracts that maybe after watching a few of them again and seeing them for what they are. And if he has an idea for a superhero movie, maybe he does it, does one down the line, and he says, you know what, I was wrong. But I can understand where he's coming from, that I've known people that have that kind of opinion that, you know, Marvel movies are campy and they're, and they're not they're not cinema cinema. But in their own way, they are cinema but at the same time, I can understand where Scorsese is coming from. Guys, what do you think of Martin Scorsese saying these comments about Marvel movies? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And then I want to get into some new details coming from Fandango, from Eric Davis and a slew of others that work over at Fandango, which is the ticketing site. But they also do an incredible job of covering the industry from press screenings to interviews to reviews. And so they were able to sit down with the cast and crew, specifically the crew of Terminator Dark Fate, and they talked to Tim Miller, who was the director of Deadpool, and is the director of the of this new installment in the Terminator franchise, which sees the return of Sarah Connor, and it's kind of gone along the route of Halloween, which came out last year, in which people, they're asking for people to disregard everything that has happened before Terminator 2, which was directed by James Cameron in the 90s, and that this is a sequel from Terminator 2 Judgment Day, 
to Terminator Dark Fate, and it continues the story of Sarah Connor, and according to Tim Miller, this is going to bring the Sarah Connor story to full circle, and that Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator is a brand new Terminator, not one from the first one or the second one, something entirely new, and that we're going to see... So we're going to see who this person is and what kind of connection he has to the plot that's going on. I'm really I'm interested in this movie. I think what they showed at Comic-Con really got me interested in seeing the vibe that Miller brings to a set combined with the personality of Alinda Hamilton and a Schwarzenegger and a Gabriel Luna. I'm really interested to see what they do with this movie. Am I over the moon about it? No, but I'm, I'm, I don't have anything negative about it. I'm excited to see what they do with Terminator Dark Fate. Guys, what do you think of this this article about what detailing Terminator Dark Fate tickets are now on sale for the movie, actually on Fandango, AMC, and any other theater site that you may be near. Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And finally, guys, the last thing I want to talk about today is The Irishman and Netflix. And this has nothing to do with the actual movie, and there's been a lot of reviews coming out for it ever since it premiered at the New York Film Festival last Friday. And it's come out now that Netflix is looking for another way to distribute the movie because it wasn't able to come to terms with a lot of the major theater chains like Regal and AMC because they have a 90-day window that they want studios to honor, but Netflix wants to get it out on the streaming service as quick as possible, and because it has the likes of Scorsese behind the camera, it has De Niro, Pacino, Pesky back from retirement, they want to get this movie out there and want people to experience it. It's a three-and-a-half-hour film. It's being described as an epic need-to-be-seen in the theaters. It has de-aging software. It's something that is really i think interesting about it really cool about it and so uh, i'm really interested to see the movie and it has all this incredible cgi but what's interesting about it is the distribution of it all and according to indiewire and a few other outlets Belesco Theater Screen is going to be screening the movie from November 1st to December 1st. Now, Belesco Theater, is that a movie theater, Sam? Well, person, it is not a movie theater. It is actually a theater theater, as in Broadway theater. The Irishman will be, will be showing at the Belesco Theater for a whole month from November 1st to December 1st, in which people, for about $15 when it comes out, can actually go in and watch this epic three and a half hour film, and if you because if you can't see it on on a lot of these theaters like an Alamo Draft House, which might not be in a New York City specifically, it might be out in L.A. and in some other places. But a lot of these indie theaters that are housing The Irishman and a lot of other Netflix titles might not be in a lot of other places. So especially for in the city, if you don't have those independent theaters around. Netflix is looking to premiere it on Broadway for you to see for $15. You can watch it in a, in a theater theater setting, which I think is really, really cool. That I, I've never, I think, I, I apparently it's been done before, but not for a long time. And so to do that, I think would be awesome to, to kind of experience it, a movie like that, like kind of what it, what it was in the old days where you went to a theater and saw it like that and you got all dressed up, which I wonder if, if people will get dressed up for something like this. It brings out a lot of questions that, I never really thought I'd be asking myself, but here I am asking them, and I think that's really, really cool, but with, with the theater, especially in the three and a half hours, and no intermission, that's kind of like if you've seen a, a, a play like that, I think what's really, really interesting is the fact that this show that that they're going to be putting on is incredible, and I think with the seats, it might be a little uncomfortable. I've, I've sat in theater seats, and just sitting there for 
a two and a half hour Broadway show is is it's pretty uncomfortable. But I'd sit in there for a theater and, and on that kind of screen with that kind of surround sound, I would do it in a heartbeat. So I'm excited to see what they do with this showing at the Blesco Theater. Again, from what I read, it's only about $15 a ticket. That's a really good pricing. So I'm excited about seeing this. And I think if I'm around the, the city area and I'm not having anything to do, I will be seeing it on Broadway. Guys, what do you think of this? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And guys, that's going to be it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and so much more. Also, make sure to tune in on the Ambiguous Network, and also be sure to check out my channel for some other amazing content along with the Ambiguous Network and check out some of their shows such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. You can check them on their website at ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook, at Twitter, and Twitter, excuse me, at Real Ambiguous. Also make sure to follow me on social media on Twitter, at Bissell Samuel, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L, and on Facebook, at Sam Bissell. Thank you guys again so much, and until next time, keep on screening.